What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is episode 223. Today, we are talking about dark horses. These are guys that we believe could finish in the top five of their position or better, and maybe a little bit overlooked, but we really think that they have a shot to finish where they have never finished before. So joining me today to break this all down is our first guest in Fresh Fantasy Podcast history to run an ultra marathon. He is one of the kindest, most down-to-earth people in the fantasy industry, in addition to being one of the best writers in the game, a former winner of the award for the best football podcast with over 28,000 followers. He is four for fours, John Daigle. Welcome to the show. Another 30-miler coming up at the end of October, too, because I'm just an absolute sicko. So we'll see how that goes during football season. I have to ask you, how many miles do you run a, run a week in, in preparation for a 30-mile race? My training doesn't really get tight until a month out. My nutrition okay. gets really tight, like plant-based only. I've, I have a couple favorite dishes wow. a month out. But right now, honestly, honestly, it's not even that much. Um, I would say it's like 15 per week. That's not, even, that's not even a lot. And then by next month, for sure, though, my long runs on Saturday will be over 20. It'll be 20 for sure. Wow. That's, that's, you couldn't get me to run over 20 miles in a year, let alone 15 It's, it's peaceful. It's, so, I, oh, it, it's like something like religion or politics you don't push onto other yep. people. But, dude, like if you find running peaceful, <laughs> it's just the absolute best. It's so nice out there. Uh, I love that. That's a completely fair take. But – like we talked about, we're going to get into these players that we finish. I think have an outside chance at top five. We're going to start at running back. We're going to give one for each position. And then our final player before John's flag plant will be another dark horse player that could actually finish as the number one overall at their position. But let's start at running back. John, we'll start with you. Who is your pick for a dark horse top five running back this year in fantasy football? Dark horse being a late round pick. And when you look, there are really only two options because you have to prove that you are a receiver and you have to have an out as an every down back. And honestly, the position being down bad as it's ever been, there are only two options as late round dark horses. And that is Rashad White and James Cook. So in this case, I will pick Rashad White, who did not perform well last year. Uh, Leonard Fournette even out-touched him in 10 of 13 games. They played together with one another with the Bucks last season. But still, we know that Rashad White had an elite 18.9% target share in college. Over his last two seasons in the Pac-12, averaged 6.4 yards per carry and actually led all Pac-12 backs with 48 targets altogether with usage and routes run both from the slot and out wide. So he's proven he's efficient. He's proven he can earn targets and really no competition with only Chase Edmonds, who was benched after week one for the Dolphins last year, and Sean Tecker, an undrafted free agent, competing for touches. So Rashad White, to me, is that dark horse. I This is a very pro Rashad White podcast. He is one of my five my guys this year that I can't stop drafting. I think that the potential mm-hmm. is there, especially with the pass catching upside. My guy's going to be James Conner. I, I think James Conner absolutely could finish as a top five running back. He's had two finishes of a running back five and running back seven overall. But even over the last two years, he's been top 10 running back in fantasy points per game in back-to-back years. And beyond that, I mean, the, the thing that people always go to is just the fact that, oh, well, you know, he, he's playing on a bad offense. But we pointed out on this podcast before that of running backs to average just 15.8 touches per game, 99% of those players finish as a top 20 running back and over 40% finish in the top five. James Conner is going to get the work. 
He's done it before. And Keontae Ingram is probably the closest guy behind him who was terrible as a rookie, a former six-round pick. I think James Conner is definitely a guy. Is he someone on your list, or is, is it just Rashad White and, and James Cook? Because James Conner ran third most routes per game of any running back last year. No, I'm completely fine with James Conner. Uh, the only thing is, since he has not been healthy at any point in his career because he's better than all of us like he survived cancer it's not his fault like there's a lot going on in his life and good for him but the only thing is he's honestly more like the will fuller of running backs in which yes we want him when he's out there because he wins your weeks for you you mentioned even being on a bad offense last year the cardinals were 26th in points per game it didn't matter james connor's last seven starts he was still a top 15 running back in all of them per in per week so Yes, we still want to target James Conner. It's just a matter of how many starts will we get him for. Yeah, I think James James Conner, Rashad White, and James Cook are like my holy trinity of of late round sure. running backs that I that I target. If I don't if I don't end up with a guy in like the first two or three rounds, like those are the ones that I try to fill out my running back room with later in in drafts. But what about at the quarterback position? Is there anyone else that sticks out to you in particular that you think has an outside chance to finish top five this year? This may seem like it's not a good choice because he's ranked so high, but I've done now enough high stakes and home leagues to see that recency bias is still affecting Deshaun Watson's ADP. And maybe he is bad. I kind of hope he's bad, to be honest. But the fact is, last year was a career low in touchdown rate, a career low in yards per attempt, six and a half, in his age 27 season. And also, that was the first time as the QB 25 in points per game that he averaged fewer than 20 points per game for his entire career. And he averaged 14.3, like nearly a full six-point margin from what he had previously averaged for his entire career. Also, not to mention, eighth most carries per game among all quarterbacks in that last month of the half when he was starting for Cleveland. So I just think everything points to an obvious bounce back and just getting the ball into his hands more. And so while everyone may use recency bias and say, I'm down on Deshaun Watson, I think he should be in the same tier, if not ahead of Trevor Lawrence as the QB seven to nine overall. Wow. I have him, I think as, as my QB nine, I think the dark horse top five is, is fair. And but I think Deshaun Watson actually every year in his career where he's played a full season, he's finished as a top five quarterback. Um, do you worry at all about like a slow start this year? Because like last year again, like he hadn't played in two years, so like the maybe the poor finishes you know speak for themselves. But do you think do you expect him to start off a little bit slower, or do you think that this top five season it's going to be week one and he's ready to go and back to being like a really productive fantasy football player like he was? Given how off literally all of his stats were compared to his career averages. I think you just have to buy in and cross your fingers. Um, Maybe he is bad. Maybe last year was just who he is now being two years removed from football. But honestly, it was such an anomaly. We just have to buy in since we're getting a discount of a potential top five player. I love that. The player for me that has really grown on me uh, as a potential dark force is, is Daniel Jones. And this is almost all centered around the fact that he has Brian Dable as his head coach. I don't think that Josh Allen and Daniel Jones, the same player, I'm not saying that, but even looking at, 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 you know, Josh Allen, his first years with, with Brian Dable, the first year he was the QB 21. The second year he was the QB six. And that was when he had like the worst weapons in the NFL. And then they got Stefan Diggs and he was automatically the quarterback one in back-to-back seasons. Daniel Jones, the year before Brian Dable was the quarterback 27 after Brian Dable with horrible weapons that were really hurt, he was the quarterback nine. And now they add Darren Waller. Waller is not on the same level of digs, but getting Darren Waller, he's going to get Wandale Robinson back, Sterling Shepard back, and some of these weapons are going to get a little bit healthier. And the 
reports that we've seen out of camp all offseason has just hyped up how great Daniel Jones has looked. And I think that with his rushing upside, plus the added weapons in a second year with Brian Dable, I think that gives him an outside chance at a top five QB. Are you taking him in any high stakes leagues or even your home leagues? When it falls to that range, I still prefer him and Geno Smith in that middle tier quarterbacks. Uh, I'd actually just rather sit on them rather than reaching for Tua, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, the tier of guys they go around. Um, Daniel Jones also averaged the fifth most rushing points per game among all quarterbacks. So at least we have that high floor, which is why I also just don't mind him falling to me. Yeah, I would love to have him fall to me. I think a lot of times, at least in the single QB leagues, I probably end up with a little bit more of like the Justin Herberts or, or Lamar Jacksons. But if I'm going later round QB, uh, Daniel Jones, Anthony Richardson are definitely my guys. But who's the guy for you, John, at wide receiver? Like where uh, wide receiver, you know, the most drafted position in fantasy football. Where is someone for you that you think that has an outside chance to top five with all these insane amount of options? So I honestly came into the season early on, since I've been drafting it since March, wanting to fade Christian Watson, assuming his ceiling performances would get beefed up and extrapolated by everyone, and thus he would become overvalued. But for some reason, I don't know if it's because we've gotten sharper, I have no idea why, but he's not been. Even in home leagues, he's typically a fifth to seventh round pick. And to me, that's egregious. Christian Watson... Um, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, Drake London, Terry McLaurin, Tyler Lockett, the list goes on. Like, that's the reason why the skeleton key of 2023 drafts, like 12-team PPR home league, is to literally just not take that next tier of running backs. You skip everyone from Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Alexander Madison, uh, J.K. Dobbins, Damian Pierce, Miles Sanders. I can go on and on and on. And home leagues, you just skip them and instead take players like Christian Watson because they have a ceiling as opposed to the running backs. Christian Watson, everyone talks about his breakout from week 10 on, that Cowboys Sunday night primetime game. He played eight games the rest of the year. And in four of those games, the four games he scored a touchdown, of course, he averaged more fantasy points than any other wide receiver. 22 and a half per game. That was more than Justin Jefferson's number. That was more than Cooper Cup's per game numbers as the wide receiver one overall. The issue is in the other four games Watson played that he didn't score a touchdown, he was the wide receiver 57 in points per game. So there's clearly volatility that not a lot of people talk about there. But again, we're basing this on ADP. If he was going around DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel in the second or third round, we could have that discussion. In the fifth or seventh round, we can't have that discussion. We're absolutely taking ceiling and fantasy football breaking players in the fifth to seventh round, and that's who Christian Watson is. I think in, in generally in fantasy football, like I'm, I'm fine if people just you know want to be a, a competitive team in fantasy football. But for me, I'm either all in or all out. You know, I'm playing either for first place or last place. Christian Watson's that exact type of pick where he might have a higher chance to bust than some other people. But outside the top 20, I think that he is the number one ceiling player of any wide receiver going outside the top 20, even over my guy, who's Jerry Judy. And Jerry Judy right now is being drafted exactly where he finished last year when everything went wrong. Russell Wilson couldn't have been worse. The coaching staff couldn't have been worse. This offense couldn't have been worse. And he's still finished in the top 24, which is exactly where he's going, out to the top 20 wide receivers. And if you just look at the games where he played in full and in, in those healthy games that he played where he was at a full complement of snaps – Jerry Judy was the wide receiver 13 over those healthy games. We've seen reports this year about how he's going to get unleashed in this new Sean Payton offense. I think that there's also been some smoke about Cortland Sutton potentially being the wide receiver one in this offense, but Cortland Sutton really has one good year. Jerry Judy has shown a lot more promise 
as a runner and as a player overall, I think that this is going to finally be the year that Jerry Judy takes a big step forward. Am I getting too excited about him? I don't think so. We now have two seasons worth of limited sample, but in games where Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton have played together, Judy has both out-targeted and outscored in fantasy points, uh, Cortland Sutton as well. If there's someone who seems to be the number one wide receiver there, although reports out of camp have been great for Sutton, he's dropped weight, he's getting deep targets again from Russell Wilson, I still think Judy's the player I'm betting on out of them. So I, I don't think it's a black and white situation. I don't think you have to go one or the other because Sutton's ADP is basically five to six rounds lower or higher than Judy's. So he's still a value Sutton is, but yes, I still think Judy should be in that low end wide receiver two tier with that other group of guys I talked about. Yeah, I, that makes me happy to hear. Again, Watson, also one of my five my guys for this year. I cannot get enough of him. Um, I love both of those guys, but tight end's a tough one. You know, and when we were, you know, going through the show sheet and I looked at the tight end position, I thought that was by far the one where I'm like, what on earth am I going to do here? Because yeah. every year it feels like pretty much every tight end that's going out of the top 10, someone is like, oh, this is, you know, the league winning, you know, top top five potential tight end. But who who's that player for you? Because this is probably the, the hardest one for me. And maybe it was for you. Maybe you have someone you're super confident in. I do actually. So I think Sam Laporta and Luke Musgrave is fun. Sam Laporta is probably a good answer here. Two and a half yards per route run for his career against man coverage. Um, led this entire class in routes from the boundary as well. But also my issue is in, over the last decade, uh, 74% of day two tight ends, so rookie tight ends drafted in the second and third round, over the last decade, 74% of day two tight ends have finished outside the top 36 tight ends in points per game. It's like, such an obvious bet to just bet against rookie tight ends. No matter their opportunity, no matter what we think about them, you just bet against them. So I don't like beefing up rookie tight ends no matter what. Although, again, at, for Dynasty Leagues, as their profiles, I like Laporta and Musgrave. So I just go right back to a guy who's already done it, and I go right back to Hunter Henry. We are just one year removed from Hunter Henry finishing as the tight end 13 in points per game. He had a career-high nine touchdowns that season. Uh, we knew those nine touchdowns were going to come back to earth, though, since – they were all scored on only 40 catches from week four on. Like the touchdown rate was not sustainable. And even though that regression happened last year, he also quietly behind the scenes led or tied for the team lead with the Patriots and red zone targets with Jacoby Myers, who is no longer on the team. And so since he's already proven he can be a fringe tight end one in points per game, I just kind of want to go right back to him because he's going undrafted. He's being forgotten about. We have more faith in their play calling with Bill O'Brien uh, coordinating now in place of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. So I think Hunter Henry is an amazing late round option. I like Hunter Henry. I'm a Mike Kosicki guy. I'm a little bit. Do you worry at all about, you know, Hunter Henry being more of a pass blocker and Mike Kosicki being more of a receiver? I know that Kosicki is injured and we don't know if he's going to play week one, but do you worry about the percentage of, of the blocking scheme at all? I don't because where Henry gets his targets is what matters most. He's a career okay. touchdown scorer uh, with rapport and understanding of the offense, whereas Gasicki is still a player the team did not resign. And although Gasicki blocked at the lowest rate of any tight end last year, still very clearly unsuccessful. Uh, just an athletic specimen who has not figured it out how to make it work as a receiver in the NFL just yet. So I actually don't worry about Gasicki at all. I like him. I, like, I yeah. love his profile, but he hasn't turned it into NFL production. Fair enough. I, I wanted to make a quick note before I get my guy on uh, Luke Musgrave and Sam Laporta. Those guys are really fun. They're really exciting. But mm -hmm. I, I went back all the way to 2000 
and I looked at all 450 tight ends that have played in the NFL as a rookie, just two out of the 451 finished as a top 12 tight end in fantasy points per game as a rookie if they were drafted day two or later. Uh, yeah, Jordan Reed really screwed it up for everybody. Yeah, Jordan Jordan Reed was like the only the awesome. only one to do it. Yeah. But my my guy that I have to go to for a top five tight end is Hayden Hurst. And I, I like Hayden Hurst just because that I think there's a real chance he leads the Panthers in targets. His only competition is DJ Shark and Adam Thielen, who I think are in the downturn of their careers. Hayden Hurst has reportedly been Bryce Young's favorite target in camp. He's played over 90% of the dropbacks in the preseason. He has a top 10 finish, but if you look even over the last you know 10 years or so, of the tight ends that finished top six, 53 out of 60 of those tight ends had at least 90 targets. And I think that to find those guys that are going to finish there, you have to find guys that are going to see 90 to 100 targets. And I think that Hayden Hurst is one of those guys that legitimately could see that amount of targets this year. He's going completely free in drafts at tight end 27. John, do you think there has there ever been a tight end going that late to finish top five, though? I think that's the only thing that does not really support my argument. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm not sure. But as you mentioned, he has been getting all of the reps in preseason with the first string offense. And he was, you know, earning opportunity last year. He averaged five and a half targets per game from Joe Burrow until he suffered that late season ankle injury and he returned and he just wasn't the same player in the playoffs. But he did show he can earn targets. So as long as he's going to be out there and really doesn't have any competition since Tommy Trimble is more of a blocking athletic tight end, then yes, Hurst is should be on our radar as another late round option. The only only guys I think I can think of that definitely were outside the top 20 were Evan Ingram, who did it last year. I think he was going as the tight end 21. And then Logan Thomas was the other one for the for the yeah. commanders a few years ago in probably one of the most random top three seasons of, of all time. Maybe Hayden Hurst can replicate it. But let's move on to a dark horse that could finish number one overall at this position. I left this up to you. You could do any position, quarterback through tight end. Who is that guy for you that you think is a dark horse to be the number one overall at their position? There were a couple of positions, but I do think Darren Waller, although his ADP is climbing, is still flying under the radar in a season we expect tight end scoring to regress. So very quickly, I'm not saying Travis Kelsey is a bad pick at all. Like Travis Kelsey has burned me before, but he's aging. And more importantly, last year, his 15 points per game, that was only the ninth time since 2008 a tight end has averaged 15 points per game. Like, we don't think he can do it again. Maybe he does. Maybe he just screws me over. But we don't think it can happen again. And so if we're going to drag him back closer to the next tier of tight ends, you start asking who can actually usurp him. And I think the, Andrew, the answer is Mark Andrews, to be quite honest. But if you don't get Mark Andrews in the second round, Darren Waller's right there. And for recency bias, he's not going as the tight end three or four off the board. Uh, last year, he had a 16% target share with the Raiders. And that's probably because Devontae Adams, one of the best receivers in the league, drowned him out. But what happened also behind the scenes, behind the curtains, you look, and he led all tight ends and depth of target. I have no idea why, but Josh McDaniels thought it was a great idea to only give him targets 14 and a half yards deep. He just sent him on go routes and said, you earn your targets that way. That also, by the way, is why Kyle Pitts hasn't been good for fantasy because all he does is go deep and they give him deep shots. They don't give him nothing underneath. But prior to last year, to that weird usage under McDaniels, from 2019 to 2021, Darren Waller earned a 25% target share. 
All we're really worried about is his 15 absences the past two years. But age 30 season, I still think we have one more peak year left in a new offense around really interchangeable receivers. There's a real chance Darren Waller leads the Giants in targets. And thus, I think just by opportunity alone and perhaps being healthy with a new offense that we can have a tight end one outlook in his future. Wow. Uh, I think, hey, if, if I uh, pick Daniel Jones as my dark horse, Darren Waller will hopefully be the guy that, that can carry him to the top of that of that finish. Do you think that – would you be drafting Darren Waller over Andrews right now, or, or is Darren Waller your tight end three? No, uh, that's too far. And and okay. everyone knows by now, but when we talk about rankings too, that doesn't necessarily yep. mean you have to draft him there. Like yep. uh, The real point is to – I do love Andrews, um, and – Waller is my tight end three, but really the point is I'm not drafting TJ Hawkinson or George Kittle, like not okay. even close. Uh, there, there are a lot more reasons. I know we don't have too much time to get in here, but really just note Hawkinson was the same player last year with the Vikings that he was with Detroit. He had one top five finish with the Vikings. He had one top five finish as a ceiling player with Detroit. Everyone tries to extrapolate his opportunity with Minnesota, but that was an offense without Jordan Addison. We genuinely do not know how that volume carries over into this year. You can't take his targets and fantasy points from last year into this season. That'd make the game too easy. And so I think Hawkinson is one of the easier fades in all of fantasy football. Yeah, I am with that completely. I've so far through seven redraft leagues that I've done at this point, I have zero shares of Hawkinson, Kittle, and Kyle Pitts. I have a lot of Kelsey. I have a lot of Andrews. And I have some Darren Waller. I think this is the year to go big at tight end. The late round guys, especially in smaller offensive leagues, don't have a lot of starting positions. You get a huge advantage by finding that tight end early and figuring out the West. Rest on the waiver wire if you need to. My guy to be the dark horse, number one overall at their position, is Amon Ra St. Brown, NFL record for most receptions all time through a player's first two years. If you go back to the second half of his rookie season, it's week 10 of 2021, since that point, the only players with more fantasy points than Amon Ross St. Brown are Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson. For the last year and a half, half of his rookie season and his second year, wide receiver three. And I think that he's gotten better every year. He could take another leap. Jamison Williams has shown nothing to suggest that he's going to be productive in fantasy football and he's suspended. Their other tight end is not TJ Hawkinson. It's a rookie who's going to see a lower target share than TJ Hawkinson did last year. And I'm a believer in Jameer Gibbs, but you know, they're not going to throw to their running backs at a, you know, well over a 20% target share. So I think that Amon Ross St. Brown is, is going to see another over 30% target share season. I mean, the only player that was targeted on a higher per route basis last year than Amon Ross St. Brown was Tyreek Hill. They were the, both the only players over 30% of the time that were being targeted. I think Amon Ross St. Brown takes another leap and finishes as a top five wide receiver this year. He's my wide receiver five in my rankings right now. And remember, they gave Amon Ross St. Brown, whenever they traded T.J. Hawkinson, at least one carry in seven consecutive games to close the year. They said, oh. you are our best player. We need to get you the ball however we can. So... Yes, I think the lid is about to pop off for Amon Ra. Oh, I love that. What about your flag play? I know this is a little bit tougher that we're that we're talking, you know, dark horses, and then you'd have a give a flag plan. But do you have one mega bold prediction you can give for the people that they need to be keeping an eye on for this upcoming season? I'm actually going to piggyback off you because Amon Ra St. Brown will finish as the wide receiver one overall in fantasy points per game. Last year, Jamal Williams let led the entire league and not only rushing touchdowns, but it was the most touchdowns from the one yard line of any player since 2015. And that wow. only happened 
because Amon Ross St. Brown didn't have shorter shoelaces. He was tackled inside the five-yard line and unprecedented seven times. So as long as he just avoids ankle tackles again, he scores over his projected five-and-a-half touchdowns and can arguably compete with Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, and fantasy points per game. That's my bold call. Seven times tackled at the one-yard line for a wide In, receiver? Inside the five-yard line, and that's why Jamal Williams got set up for easy layup touchdowns. Wow. that I don't know what the, what the, like the, the overall records look like, but for a wide receiver getting tackled in that range is really hard. Because a lot of times they're going to the end zone. They're not going yeah. right to like just inside the five. It's unheard of. Wow. Otherwise, that is, he, uh, otherwise, he would have scored 10 touchdowns. Yeah, it's unheard of. Oh, my goodness. John, that is that is why we bring people, smart people like you, on the podcast to give the data and insight that you're not going to get anywhere else. But, John, it's been a pleasure to have you on the Fresh Fantasy Podcast today. Where can the people find you and all the amazing work that you're doing or maybe more stats like the Amon Ross St. Brown one you just gave us? I have all of my team previews, uh, our rankings and projections at 4for4.com, and my – Players to target and fade will be coming out ahead of this weekend, the biggest draft weekend of the year. Use the promo code DAGLE10 for 10% off. It's already too cheap. It's 39 bucks, not monthly, for the entire season. But that code will get you 10% off that $39. It's a good deal. Targets and fades, I definitely will be tuning in. I have a 4 for 4, four, for four subscription myself, so I'll be definitely tuning in to everything that you have coming out this season. But he is John Diggle. I am Alex Caruso. And this is another episode of the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. Don't forget to tune in for new episodes coming out every single Tuesday and Friday. But until next time, don't forget to keep chasing that upside.